الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك سبحانك اللهم لا نحسي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد بعد فضل الله سبحانه وتعالى we reached the end of the 1438th year after the hijra of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the beginning of the 1439th year. And time passes as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in his book, These are days, <coughs> we divide them up between people. Sometimes one person is on top, sometimes one person is on the bottom, sometimes the person is happy, sometimes they're <laughs> suffering, sometimes they're in a state of hardship, sometimes they're in a state of ease, sometimes somebody is focused, and sometimes years go by and the person is completely heedless. And if you live long enough, you'll see everything happen, nothing will surprise you anymore. Specifically, the days that we live in, the time that we live in, the last week or couple of weeks, the last month, couple of months, we've seen such an intensity, such an intensity of catastrophes and such a frequency of catastrophes, like a parade coming, one natural disaster after the other, one man-made disaster after the other, both at home domestically in this country and abroad. And curiously, People like myself and people like yourselves in masajid like these, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by and large has kept us in a good state, in a state of afiyah. <coughs> a person lives in a strange condition when they find themselves in such circumstances. Because at the same time, you witness the destruction of entire amsar, metropoli. Not hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people suffering in front of your eyes. Yet, you see things are not well around you, but you're also still in a good state. And the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam prescribed sunnah for people who are going through each and every one of these states. For each and every one of these states. The person who is happy in a happy time, the person who is going through difficulty in a happy time, the person who is going through difficulty in a difficult time, and the person who is in a state of ease in a, in a difficult time. This ni'mah, this blessing Allah Ta'ala gave us in afiyah. What is afiyah? Afiyah is happiness, but there are several words in the Arabic language for happiness. Not all of them are positive. لا تفرحين الله لا يحب الفرحين Don't be exuberant, don't be bubbly and, and brainless in enjoying yourself and being, happiness, and being happy when you don't have a reason to be happy. That type of enjoyment, Allah Ta'ala doesn't like it. Afia is what? It's the type of happiness that a person has, which is a complete and holistic happiness. It's a true happiness. And Rasulullah commanded this ummah 
to ask Allah Ta'ala, if you ask Allah Ta'ala, ask for this afiyah. Many people, there's a type of piety in this as well, but many people will make a laundry list of things of what they want from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And the fact of the matter is, if you truly want something, He's the one to ask. But there's a type of trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that also comes with what? With telling Allah Ta'ala or asking Allah Ta'ala for happiness and letting Him chart the way it happens. So that when things don't happen according to your own plan, the one who has true love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to that person, Allah's plan is more beloved to them than their own plan. To the person who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah's plan is more beloved to them than their own plan. This is very easy to say, by the way. It's very difficult to implement in your life because the issue is that we want things really badly and the things that we want always don't happen. So the beginning stage is what? If something happens that you don't like, then you say, this came from Allah Ta'ala, I'll be patient, there must be good in it. But a person's iman gets to a point where what? Sometimes the, the thing Allah chooses for you, you are intuitively aware of how superior it is to your own choice, how much better it is for you than your own choice. So just like a person who is going through difficulty, it is sinful and it is untoward for them to lament, why me? Why out of all people am I sick? Why out of all people am I going through difficulty? Why out of all people did I take financial loss? Why out of all people did my car get into an accident, etc.? Just like that's not proper. Adab with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's also not proper for a person who is in a good state. Even though they see destruction and suffering around them. To ask Allah ta'ala, why am I the only one that's doing well? And feel guilty and feel bad about it. Rather, there is something Allah Ta'ala wants from a person in each and every state. Now, this is a discussion amongst the Usuli theorists of the Sharia with regards to two paired virtues in Islam, sabr and shukr. Shukr and sabr, being thankful and having gratitude to Allah Ta'ala versus being patient with Allah Ta'ala's decree. And gratitude comes with what? It comes with blessing. And sabr comes with what? It comes with tribulation. If the reward for shukr is high, it's a hadith of Rasulullah that the person who eats and is truly thankful to Allah Ta'ala, that person is in a station with Allah Ta'ala, like the station of what? Like the station of those people who are fasting, they're hungry for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. If the reward for sabr is mazid, wala in shakartum la If you are thankful, I will increase you in what you have. If the maqam of sabr is a rare maqam, wa qalilum min ibadi shukur. Very, very few of my, very, very few of my slaves are thankful. Allah Ta'ala gives people a situation, the people of iman. Right? How wondrous is the affair of the believer because all of his affair is good. Allah Ta'ala gives the people in Iman that state which is good for them. So the person who is in difficulty, if that person had afiyah, maybe that person, if that person was in a happy state, maybe that person, their happiness would have led them to heedlessness. And the person who is in happiness, this is also mercy from Allah Ta'ala, aside from the enjoyment the fact that they enjoy being happy. Because some people, when they come under stress, they buckle and fall apart, their deen would have been destroyed. 
Even if the, the, the maqam of shukr is what? Is rare. If you look on the other side, a majority of the ulama say that sabr gains a person and garners for a person more reward and superior reward. All other circumstances being equal and in normal cases. There may be exceptions, but all other circumstances being equal. Allah Ta'ala says in His book, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ the people of patience, so if the reward for shukr is what? You, you thank me, I'll give you more of what you thank me for. The reward for sabr is what? It's without any mathematical relationship between the amount of patience the person had and the amount of reward that they're going to get. It's something that's limitless and it's something that's boundless. And this is something that's repeated in the sharia again and again. There's a lot of expounding that we can do, but the time for Jumu'ah is very short. So the first reminder I wanted to make to myself and to others as well is that this is a part of Protestant theology. MashaAllah, there are many churches and things like that in our neighborhood and we respect them as uh, fellow citizens and we look out for them, they look out for us and we uh, definitely give them, accord them their status uh, of respect that they deserve as fellow human beings and as our neighbors, etc. But we believe differently than they do. There's something in Protestant theology called the, uh, uh, called the, uh, the Protestant work ethic and prosperity gospel ideas that what? The reward for virtue and the reward for living a moral life is what? That God will give you a materially prosperous existence in this world. And the corollary to that is what? That if a person is materially suffering, this suffering is directly tied to their inferior morality or their inferior uh, following of uh, the path that Allah Ta'ala has chosen for them or that Allah is pleased with for them. And because the civilization that was built on this understanding, there's a lot of theology that underpins it. There's a lot of, the, it's, a, it's in itself something that is the subject of a several hour discussion just to introduce. But because of this civilization being ascendant and dominant, uh, uh, economically uh, and militarily, culturally in the world today, we're also part of that civilization, whether we ascribe to that deen or not. Because of that, it pervades and it enters into people's understanding of Islam as well. Whereas, what does the deen teach? As for the human being, if his, if, if his Lord tests him and tries him and uh, gives him, uh, honors him with wealth, that person says, oh look, my Lord has honored me. Another person, if uh, their Lord tests them by constricting their, their wealth, that person says, my Lord has humiliated me. What is, the, what is the Allah Ta'ala's comment about this thing that people say, or these set of things that people say? Kalla. No, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That if this entire material creation meant to Allah Ta'ala what the wing of a gnat means to one of you. What is a gnat? A gnat is a, an insect which is smaller than a mosquito. If this entire creation meant to Allah Ta'ala what the wing of a gnat means to one of you, Allah Ta'ala wouldn't give a person who disbelieves in him even a sip of water. But 
the idea is what? It means less than that. It means what? It means less than that. Now the problem is because of the attitude of uh, this prosperity gospel, we ourselves as a community sometimes, I mean very few people think of the- theological issues like uh, uh, explicitly. It's just usually something that's there in, in your subconscious. You don't say, well my position is this because of that. It's something there in your subconscious. We've imbibed in ourselves this idea that somehow people who are going through tribulation or somehow people who are going through wrong deserve it. And the fact of the matter is, as individuals, they may deserve it. The fact of the matter is, as nations, they may deserve it. Or they may not. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who makes that decision. And what basis He makes that decision upon is a secret that you and I are never going to understand, we're not able to understand and to attempt to understand that secret in and of itself is an affront to Allah Ta'ala. Don't you see how he says in his book, لا يُسْأَلُ عَمَّا يَفْعَلُوا وَهُمْ يُسْأَلُونَ He is not to be asked why he does what he does. Rather, he is, he's the one that the creation, they'll be asked by him. This doesn't mean that things don't happen for a reason and it doesn't mean that we're not allowed to ponder certain wisdoms of certain things happening in certain ways. But at the end of the day, to stand up and say, this is why that happens without the aid of explicit, the explicit text of revelation, the word of Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you and I are not allowed to say, earthquake happened in such and such place, this is because of their sins, flood happened in such and such place, this is because of their sins, Muslims are kicked out of this such and such place because of their sins, or anyone else is kicked out of another place because of their sins. You, are not, you and I are not allowed to say that. It's possible. In fact, Allah Ta'ala, He Himself says in His book, وَاتَّقُوا فِتْنَةً لَا تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاسَةً Fear such an affliction, fear such a punishment. The word fitna, the asal meaning of it is punishment. The majazi, the metaphorical meaning of it is a test that you will fail that will result in punishment. Fear from Allah Ta'ala and protect yourself from Allah Ta'ala from such a punishment that doesn't only afflict those people who are wrongdoers amongst you exclusively. Meaning what? In this world, Allah's decision when it comes down, it comes down on nations. Bad nations have good people in them. Good nations have bad people on them. If good people are enjoying the, you know, hundred good people, the one bad person with them will enjoy as well in this world. And the vice versa is also true. Yom al-Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala will sort them out. Good people, hundred of them will go to Jannah, the one bad person will be punished by Allah Ta'ala if he chooses not to forgive him. And the other way around is correct as well. But you and I, we have abandoned and jettisoned the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. By assuming because people are, and oftentimes again, we don't say it explicitly, it's just a feeling in the heart. But the feeling is real. And what's inside of the heart is important. Because the Yom Al-Qiyamah is Yom Allah Yanfa'u Manun Wala Banuna Illa Manatallaha Bikalbin Salim. The day of judgment is a day that a person will not be benefited by their wealth nor by their sons. They will only be benefited if they come to Allah Ta'ala with a pure heart. So these feelings in the heart, sometimes that we don't even give words to, that we're not even aware of, these are important things. We need to clean house with regards to these things. That we don't look at somebody else who goes through a tribulation and look down on them. The idea is sometimes people go through worldly tribulation and sometimes people go through happiness in this world and the, the worldly part of it is the least important thing that's going on. 
There are good people who do well, there are good people who suffer, there are bad people who do well, there are bad people who suffer. Allah Ta'ala Himself, His Messenger وسلم, said all of this worldly stuff that you judge people by, this doesn't mean anything to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala doesn't look, it's a hadith of Rasulullah Wasallam. He doesn't look at your body, He doesn't look at your, your outward, uh, He doesn't look at your outward state, rather He looks inside of your heart and the person whose heart He sees something good in. Allah Ta'ala loves that person, Allah Ta'ala will, will have mercy on such a person. So coming back to this issue, the first thing we have to get out of our heart is this idea that what somebody is suffering, this must be their fault. Even if it's their fault, even if it's their fault, still you have to have mercy, you still have to have kindness and shafaqah for them. Don't you see how Rasulullah used to be kind to his enemies, kinder to his enemies than some of us can muster for our own friends. Forget about our friends, than some of us can muster in terms of kindness for our own wives, for our own children, for our own husbands, for our own parents, our own relatives. Don't you see how he used to be pained by people's pain? How he wasn't callous, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How when people went through loss, he would go to the families to grieve and he would grieve with them, he would cry with them. He taught this to his sahaba radiallahu anhum. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu is, the, is the, the legendary tough guy of the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Don't you know, he used to, when a battle would happen, he would pace back and forth at the gate that faces the, the, the place the battle is happening and wait for news of what happened. And when the, the, the Bashir, the bearer of glad tidings, the herald of glad tidings, inevitably would come back with the news of victory. He would, he would first ask, first thing he would ask, who gave their life in the path of Allah Ta'ala? So and so was martyred in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So and so, son of so and so, was martyred in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So and so, son of so and so, was martyred in the path of Allah Ta'ala. And a great number of people, Amir al Mu'mineen, doesn't know who they are. And his response was documented on one such occasion that he cried and he said, What does it bother them? What does it harm them? That Allah knows them and Umar doesn't know them. And he used to weep. He didn't be callous and say, going to Jannah, suck it up. Kid, you're going to grow up without a father. He's in Jannah, you're probably, your whole family will go to Jannah because of his piety. Suck it up. No. He used to grieve with people. He used to feel their loss. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in a, in a hadith, two, with several hadith that come with different, but similar wordings by several different companions. Radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Don't you know that he's the one who said, what in Ashad al Nasi Bala'an? Al Anbiya'u. Thumma al Anthalu fal Anthalu. And in a different riwayah, Al Anbiya'u thumma al Ulama'u thumma al Salihuna. That the people who will go through the most tribulation, the people who go through the most tribulation is Umar, who? The Prophet alayhi salam. Then those who are most like them, meaning the best of this ummah, and then those who are most like them, the ones who are the best in this ummah. And in a different narration, he said, and this, is, this narration explains and actually is, a, is a, 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 a commentary and an explanation of the first narration. That the people in this ummah who will go through the most tribulation are who? The prophets salam. Then after them the ulama, the people of knowledge. And then after them, the salihin, the people who are meticulous in their observation of the sacred law. No, no commandment of Allah and His Rasul is small for them. They obey all of them, all of them, 
in, at least in front of other people, they obey all of them. Whether you and I may think that those commandments are small or large, whether you and I may try to weasel out of them or may have ease in, in obeying them, they obey all of them. That this is the order of going through difficulty in this life that Allah Ta'ala has set for the people of this ummah. This is, who, who's saying this? Rasulullah is saying this. So when you see somebody going through difficulty, the default assumption should be what? The default assumption should be what? That statistically there's more of a chance that this person is more pious than I am than there is a chance that this person is a bad person who quote-unquote deserves it. Don't you know, haven't you read the, the books of Aqidah? The Aqidah Tahawiyah is like a pamphlet of, of the basic Aqaid of the Ahl Sunnah Al-Jama'ah accepted by, accepted by the entire uh, uh, Ummah. This, this uh, Aqidah Tahawiyah itself, like number, a number, a countless number of, of, of Aqidah books, they all say the same thing, that Yawm Al-Qiyamah, nobody is going to enter into Jannah by Allah Ta'ala's justice. Not even the Prophet Everybody who enters will enter by his mercy. The people who enter something through justice are the ones who enter into the fire. If Allah Ta'ala were to take people to account for their sins, nobody would be left. Rasulullah said, even I will enter through, through Allah's mercy. If he didn't say it explicitly, we would have considered it a form of disrespect for somebody even to mention that. But he said it, and he's commanded by Allah Ta'ala to what? To make tabligh, to make reach the message of this deen, that this is a part of wahi Allah Ta'ala wanted his creation to know. So when we see that, and we ourselves are, are in a state of afiyah, are in a state of goodness, we should know what does Allah Ta'ala want from us. Allah Ta'ala wants for us first to be thankful for what He gave us. Even if you're the only person, literally the only person in the masjid that's not afflicted. You should show thanks to Allah Ta'ala for it. Then afterward, what does is, what is the state of afiyah dictate? It dictates to a person that they also should feel sympathy for what? Feel sympathy for other people. You should feel sympathy for other people. You should feel sympathy for other Muslims. The reason we mention Muslims and the reason Muslims are mentioned in maqamat, in the, in the sharia, man nafasa mu'minin kurbata min kurbid dunya, nafasa Allahu anhu kurbata min kurbi yawm al-qiyamah, or kama qala alayhi salatu wasalam, the hadith of Sahih Muslim, that the person who uh, helps a person uh, when they're going through a calamity from the calamities of this world, uh, helps a believer when they're going through a calamity from the calamities of this world, Allah Ta'ala will save them from a calamity of the calamities of the hereafter. The, 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 the shurah, the commentators, muhaddithun, they say the reason mu'min is mentioned here is because of their honor amongst Allah's creation. Otherwise, this hadith applies to every human being. You should feel, you should feel some sort of sympathy for them. Rasulullah felt sympathy for his companions. He's felt sympathy for, for, for people who were idol worshippers. He felt sympathy for people who are sinners. He used to weep and cry about their, their difficulties. He used to weep and cry about the difficulties of those companions that they were given bishara, they were given glad tidings of entering Jannah. So what? You thank Allah Ta'ala. The second thing is what? That you should feel sympathy for the, your fellow creation. And the third thing is, you don't have to sell your house and become homeless with the homeless. You don't have to burn your house down and become displaced with the displaced. You don't have to make yourself poor uh, uh, with the poor. You don't have to uh, leave your home and make your wife a widow just like other uh, people are widow and your children orphans like other people are orphans. But at the same time, don't act like you can't do anything, you can't give anything. When you're confronted with this reality that Allah Ta'ala didn't afflict you, give something. This is Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is this is what this is Protestant theology again. It's it's illegal in many, uh, if not most, uh, um, 
jurisdictions in, in America and in Western Europe to give uh, money to a beggar. It's a crime, actually. You can get a ticket for it, right? This is not, a, this is not our deen. If somebody asks you for something, you don't have to take the hundred out of your wallet and give it to them. But that doesn't mean that, what, that, that you should not give the person a quarter. Oh, Shaykh, they're going to go buy drugs with it. Go buy them food. Give them a quarter. Allah Ta'ala is not going to ask you that, you know, unless you said, okay, there's a crack dealer down the street, go buy. No, Allah Ta'ala is not going to ask you. Say, I gave him because he asked, and this is the sunnah of your Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what he did with the money is his problem. Obviously, if you know they're going to misuse it, that's different. But sometimes there's ambiguity. Your transaction is not with this person in front of you. Your transaction is with the Lord. These are habits. These are habits that you never say no to somebody. Even if your pocket is empty. Even if your pocket is empty when somebody asks you for something, at least give them a dua rather than showing them a face and thinking, why do these people, why do they should get a job? It's America. There's so much money. These people are lazy. Stuff for Allah. Astaghfirullah. This is not a masa'ila fala tanhar. It's a commandment of the book of Allah Ta'ala. It's one of the first commandments of revelation. Give for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Say, Shaykh, really I don't have any money to give from your time. Shaykh, I don't have any time. I can't, I can't leave. There's some people who are so ill they cannot leave from their beds. Then sit and make dua for the ummah of the Prophet With the yaqeen inside of your heart that what? That Allah Ta'ala hears your prayers and it will make a difference. And the interesting part is what? The person who does that, that person, it will touch their heart in such a way, they will do something. They will do something. It won't leave their heart the same it was before they made that dua. Allah Ta'ala continue, continue the blessing of afiyah on us and on, our, on this land and on this masjid and on this community and on the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As long as we have this deen, we have everything, even if our other circumstances may seem constrained. Allah Ta'ala relieved the suffering of the, the difficulties of the people, the ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and indeed of all people around us. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us afiyah and if He tests us, may He give us from iman and from strength and from thabat and from courage what we need in order to get through those tests without failure, in order to get through those tests and be forgiven and be given reward that is not uh, computable and it's not uh, 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 understandable through uh, mathematics and arithmetic. Allah Ta'ala give so, so much tawfiq to all of us. Walillahi alhamd. Wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam ajma'in. Qala rabbu tabaraka wa ta'ala fi kitabihi al-kareem istainu bis sabri wa salah. Inna allaha ma'a sabirin. Wa qala rasulullahi sallallahu alihi wa sallam inna shadda al-nasi bala'an al-anbiya'u thumma al-amthalu fal-amthalu wa sadaq allahu al-azim صدق رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وأقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم لسائر المؤمنين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم